He's the former punter of the Baltimore Ravens. He didn't have a choice. They drafted him. Uh, the Cleveland Browns and the Arizona Cardinals. He's Mr. Dave Zastadil. Hi, Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, jo- hey Jeff and Andy. How you doing? Good. We're doing well, man. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, Pro Bowl coming up. Before we get to anything else, I can't stand the Pro Bowl, Dave. I'm glad they're not playing, but I don't. I don't know that I like all the fun and games and all the other stuff. Y- you like all the other stuff, or or Andy and I keep saying throw a nice banquet and call it a day. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, the Pro Bowl is definitely uh, downgraded significantly. Um, you know, it's still a way for players to get together, um, you know, have some fun. And the biggest thing is really for the fans, right? Um, you know, there there could be some fans there that can see, you know, guys they watch on TV and kids that hopefully can get autographs. Um, so it allows the fans still to have a pretty good experience. Um, but I'm sure the players, uh, not all of them, but some of them, you know, probably think it's a waste of time. Um, but I think in general, whenever I, you know, kind of see how they've transitioned the Pro Bowl, all I think about is the little kids and the fans get to see some of the, the idols up front and maybe get autographs, spend some time with them. And I think that's probably the, the important part. All right, big question. Who do you like, Super Bowl? Oh, man. Um, Which Kelsey do you like better? That should be the answer <laughs> to the question. <laughs> You know, it's going to be a great game. Um, I, I, you know, I've been watching both. I've been watching the playoffs, and both teams are, are really deserving. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I, I think what the Eagles have done consistently throughout the season, um, it, it just seems like they they really are on a, a you know pretty good path to win this thing. Uh, I, I think you know Jalen Hurts is playing at a high level. They they just don't really have a weakness. I think the defense is playing strong. Uh, and I, I just think at the end of the day, if I had to choose one, I'd, I'd pick the Eagles. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it'll be a great game. It's interesting to me that these two teams were pretty much the teams all year that were sitting on top of their conferences, Dave. And here they are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, and for the most part, I really like that. You know, nobody got knocked off. You're going to see the two teams that kind of dominated things or at least, you know, were at the top of the heap go at it in the Super Bowl. And maybe that's the way it should be. Oh yeah, we were we were. I was talking with some friends of mine when you looked at the Final Four. You know, the when you had Cincinnati. Uh, well, shoot, even going back, you know, you had Buffalo, Cincinnati, you know, Philly, San Francisco, Kansas City. I mean, you had the teams that you know. Look in the records, it was all pretty similar. You know, twelve and three, twelve and four at the time. Um, you know, it, it was a collection of teams that really were consistently playing good football all year. Um, you know, compared to, you know, obviously we look at the Browns and we saw so much inconsistency throughout the year on game management, on plays that could have been, should have been the Jets game. These are the teams that consistently did what it took to win. And I think what you realize in the NFL, besides having a good quarterback, is the fact that the teams that are consistently playing good football in all three phases are the ones that are going to be there at the end. Dave, how hard is it to get there? I mean, I, I look at your career and I think, of, I, how many how many playoff games do you have? One, two. I only had one. Yeah, two thousand four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gary Anderson beat us on a on a on a field goal. I think if it was a forty six yard, he would have missed it, but he made the forty five. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It's a good thing you you, you forgot about that game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just how are, I mean we sit here as fans, we're like well, we expect our teams to make the playoffs, and we all know how hard it is for the for the Browns to make the playoffs and how it's been since ninety nine, but. How difficult is it when you see these teams win week in and week out or a team like Kansas City that can get back to the Super Bowl? Like, I just – I don't – I think we think it's it's difficult to get there, but I wonder what it's like from a player's perspective, especially one that spent as many years in the league as you did. 
Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's such a grind. Um, you know, you start the season basically in May, April, if you want to count workouts. And then this thing goes all the way into February. I mean, it's a grind. And in between that grind, you have everything that we've experienced in the last three or four years. Or this, this league has everything from injuries. They had to deal with COVID. You know, they have to have to deal with, um, you know, transition of, of, of guys worrying about their contract, you know, thinking about the teams. I mean, there's so many factors that come into play. But I think at the end of the day, Andy, it, you look at the teams that have consistently been here, Kansas City. You know Cincinnati the last two years. Um, you know in the you know in the AFC Championship, the Super Bowl. And now you look at um, Philadelphia. I mean these are teams that had phenomenal quarterback play, consistent quarterback play. So I think it is a very difficult thing. If you ask Cincinnati Bengals, you know they look at them. You know they thought they'd get back to the Super Bowl. They did not. It's a grind. Now they got to start all over. But at the end of the day, if you have a top five, top seven quarterback you're going to always put your team in a position to have an opportunity to get there. Um, but it is, it is a very, very big grind. That's why you rarely see teams in the NFL win back-to-back Super Bowls. Dave Zastadil joining us, former Browns punter. We heard you know, a lot this year, okay, uh, Mike Prefer's future as special teams coordinator, that special teams aren't doing what they're supposed to do, blah, 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 blah. I, I think when you look at an offensive coordinator, you can say, well, are you scoring points or are you, you putting up a lot of yards? Defensive coordinator, are you giving up big plays or are you giving up a lot of points? <clears throat> Dave, you would know better than anybody. What does a special teams coordinator do to stand out as a special teams coordinator? Because uh, on in theory, you would think it would be, well, does your punter punt the ball well? Does your field goal kicker make kickers? And do your return guys return kicks? I would think special teams coordinator is the toughest position of those three coordinator jobs to judge. It's a very difficult uh, uh, place, uh, a position to be in as a coach. And I'll tell you, before we, I get into that answer is, especially you look at preseason games, right? Um, you know, you got guys all over the place, guys trying to make the team. You have to worry about substitutions. Substitutions, the first part of this is the preseason is a nightmare for special teams coach. Um, you got guys not knowing if they're on the second, third team, guys trying to make plays on the field, and then, oh, shoot, i got to go in there on field goal. The preseason is a nightmare for special teams coaches, first of all. <laughs> but when you get into the season, you can really never judge a special teams coach by how the kicker or punter perform. Um, those guys are drafted, signs in free agency, and it's an individual position. There's not a lot of special teams coaches that really understand technique of kicking. They do over time because of working with really good field goal kickers and punters, they've learned what these guys do. They learn how they practice. They learn what to look for in their technique. And so they become educated on what to look for for that specific kicker and punter. So they can help them along through film and, and, and talk with them. I experienced that myself. Um, but really what you look for in a special teams coach is, you know, are, how are the penalties? You know, is the scheme working? Um, are they giving up big plays? And then, if they are giving up big plays, the special teams coach a lot of time have been in these meetings. The scheme was right. They know what to do. And a player, you know, either got selfish, got out of their lane. They blocked somebody in the back and you get in this, you know, special teams coaches meeting and our teams meeting, they just get land blasted. But, um, you know, special teams coaches are very hard to judge. And unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of good ones that have been fired just because of how the team has performed. And maybe they didn't have the players. Uh, what I mean by that is your allocated players as a special teams unit that has to fill in backup defensive backs, backup linebackers, 
if you are overloaded or deficient in some of those positions, it puts the special teams in a tough spot. So, you know, there's certain teams that spend a lot of time on special teams. There's some teams that don't spend as much as other teams. But the special teams coach is a very hard thing to judge. Now, I can tell you, Coach Prefer has been in the league a long time. I've played against him. I've known him. He worked me out out of college. He is a very, very good special teams coach. Um, why would he become the assistant head coach at times in the past if he didn't know the game, know the rules, know the situation? So, you know, he took a lot of heat this year. And, you know, hey, listen, he, this isn't the first time he's probably had that. But at the end of the day, these fans have to understand you've got a very, very experienced good special teams coach here in Cleveland. What do you want to see him do here in free agency? What can they do? Or yeah. I mean, because the draft seems so, I, I don't know. You know, we, we had a conversation about the draft today and how do we talk about it and where are we going with this thing. And, you know, when you have a second-round pick, it's so hard to try to narrow, not like you want to watch the senior bowl to say, oh, that guy didn't play good. We'll have a chance for him. You know, it's it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it, it, the Deshaun Watson was such a, a bittersweet, um, you know, signing because, you know, if he gets back to the player that we know he can be or we hope he can be, um, then you're okay with giving up those draft picks. Um, but at the same time, when the draft comes, you understand that first-round draft picks are the foundations of your future, and they're the way you build teams. So I think when you look at the draft, I think, first of all, the team, you know, has, you know, you know Andrew Berry and his staff will do a good job of structuring contracts, figuring out how to gain cap space. Um, he's always been good at that, and I think he'll be aggressive um, in that approach. But it really comes down to, you know, you're going to have your scouts. You're going to have your player personnel guys. They're going to fight for players. And you have to make sure that second round, you know, third, fourth, whatever we have after that, are players that can come in and contribute. If you miss on those, it's going to be a little bit of a problem. Um, but I do think in free agency, especially with the Jim Schwartz signing, there's no secret. It's been talked about you know, from Jim, Coach Schwartz, in the media. He will focus. He wants to focus on D linemen. And there's no question, especially when you watch that Atlanta Falcons game this year when they ran 14 times in a row, we couldn't stop that. So I think priority number one is stopping the run. You have to figure out a way to stop the run. And then you want to make sure your scouting department is, is dead certain on those draft picks because those have to be solidified and those have to be big contributors coming into this year. Right, let me ask you one other question, too, as I was thinking about the Senior Bowl. You I mean, you played in the Senior Bowl, right? I did, yeah. Okay. And then you get drafted in, what, fourth round. How important yeah. is the Senior Bowl, and how does that work? Like, as a fan looking from the outside, you might watch that game this weekend and say, okay, here's the Senior Bowl, but especially for a punter, or somebody who might be able to excel on special teams uh, going to the next level, what, what's the significance and what's important for those players um, at the Senior Bowl, and how did the Senior Bowl help you? Yeah, so first of all, the Senior Bowl is the most important bowl that you can go to. It is the number one. I mean, there's really not one that's close to it. So the biggest thing that people don't understand is they turn on the TV and they watch the Senior Bowl. The scouts pretty much all leave by the time that game happens. So the most important thing about the senior bowl is the week of practice. That's what they want to see. The one-on-one -on -one matchups, how the quarterbacks throw the ball, how the receivers make their cuts, how the defensive backs, you know, how they break on the ball. They're judged one, I'd say 95% on how the week of practice goes. The game comes and yeah, they go and have fun, but you know, it's more of a fun game. Guys haven't played together. There may be a handful of plays they call. So the week of practice is the most important um, as a punter, kicker, same thing. You know, you're out there, you're kicking the ball, you're in special teams practices, you're, you know, you're showing them what you can do. And really they're there just to see how your leg is, 
how your consistency is because, you know, I think you have pretty decent weather down in Mobile during that time. Um, but the Senior Bowl is, is, is definitely the, the premier bowl. And I think what you find in the past is there's guys, especially on the line, uh, defensive edge rushing girls that are really dominating one way or the other, and they open scouts' eyes to go, hey, we've seen this guy on film. And he showed what he can do on the film. We're seeing it live now. He just dominated Alabama's right guard and this or tackle, and this guy's from a small school in Indiana. I mean, that's what they do. And I think that's how guys really leapfrog and really, you know, gain some value in the draft. And that's why sometimes you see in a first, second, third round guys are, wait, where'd he come from? But they found out he had an unbelievable senior bowl practice. So the practice is the key of the senior bowl. Dave, I'm gonna take you into punter's paradise here, okay? All right. In in Major League Baseball, the number forever was, you know, 61, right? Roger Maris hit 61 homers. Before that, it was Babe Ruth. That was with 60. It was the number to chase. If you're an NFL punter, somehow Sammy Ball averaged 51 yards a punt back in 1940, and that was untouched. And averages went up. Your, Your punt average went up, you know, throughout your career. I don't know why guys got better and everything else, but this year Ryan Stonehouse of Tennessee obliterated Sammy Baugh's punting record. He averaged over 53 yards a punt, and he's like 5'11", 185 pounds. What what has happened with punters? Where and now a number of guys, you know, Corey Bohorquez here, you know, averaged 50 yards a punt in Buffalo a couple of years ago. What's going on? Why are punters punting the ball like crazy? And after, what's 80 years, Sammy Baugh's record goes bye-bye by almost two yards a punt. Hmm. <laughs> no, that's a good question. But I will, before I answer that, Jeff, I will tell you that those are good stats and those are great numbers. But the number that always is important is what is their net average. And I believe the record holder for that is Johnny Hecker at 46.3 or 46.7. I think in the 2020 year, um, was is the most important stat. So the gross punting is great. You get the ball as far, but it's that net. Um, so I'm going to answer this question because if you look at the net yardage punting um, stats of punters, when I was in the league, it was unheard of, and I don't think it ever happened that anybody averaged a net 40-yard punt season. Never happened. I know we got close, 38, 39.7. Well, once, you know, these young guys started coming in, you're seeing 40, 42, 43, Johnny Hecker, 46, and you're going, their net average now is, is probably higher than even a gross yarding average for a season back in the you know, mid-2000s. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that, I think. Number one is guys are just getting bigger. They get stronger. There, there's better technology to help you train to keep your body healthy. Number two, when I first got in the league, they took these K-balls, and they, you know, because of there was a punter kicker way back in the day that used to rub the balls down extremely, um, you know, really down, got that, um, that pigskin really rubbed in. And they put it in a washer and dryer, rub it down, get all the wax off it, and made the ball extremely soft. Well, the NFL came in and says, you know what? Nope, we can't do that anymore. Guys are kicking the ball way out of the end zone. And they put a rule on you could only work these balls for, I don't know, 10 minutes for the game. So in 2002 to 2004, you know, if you even look at my stats, for example, they were they were not that great, and you're hitting this ball, and it's like a rock. Well, then they started kind of – guys figured it out. They would hire a guy. They said, okay, you've got 45 minutes for a game now. And we used to pay um, assistant managers, um, you know, hundreds of dollars to spend 45 minutes to break down these balls, get them as soft as you can, get the leather off there, 
which soften the ball. You break in the edges, and that's why you see field goal kickers, you know, take that edge of that ball and kick off and put it into the tee. So they try to make this ball as, as soft as it possibly could, and then you started seeing um, you started seeing these averages go back up, and that's that's really a quick history lesson on why um, from 2000 2002 on these uh, these stats have gotten gotten a lot higher. Outstanding. That's a man who knows his business right there, Dave. Thank you. That was some good stuff there. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm sure they I'm sure they found out new ways to do it today, but um yeah, if you look at a K ball compared to a quarterback ball, it's it, it's a lot easier to kick. That's fabulous. Dave, thank you very much for being with us, buddy. We Thanks, appreciate Dave. your yep. time. Yeah, guys, have a good one. Talk Thanks to you. Dave Zastadil, former Browns punter.